at the thing next Friday, we'll have to do a little fundraiser for <laughs> revamping the Rational Republicans equipment. <laughs> oh, this is great. This is the stuff this, that this listeners is cold open, man. subscribe for. Yeah. <laughs> I do, you know, new year, new podcast. I feel like we should start doing that. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Rational Republican, a podcast where we look at complex issues facing us here in Oregon and around the nation. We'll try to address issues from a nonpartisan perspective and view our disagreements through a lens of respect rather than tribalism or divisiveness. I'm James Ball. This is Nick Berlaski. Hey, listeners, how we doing? Today's podcast is brought to you by ProLift Garage Doors. ProLift is your one-stop shop for residential and small commercial garage doors from openers, springs, and rollers to full reinstalls. They offer same-day service on all garage door repairs with no extra charge for evenings or weekends. Serving the greater Portland metro area, call today and set up your free estimate at 503-558-6349 or at proliftdoors.com slash Portland. Again, that's 503-558-6349 or proliftdoors.com slash Portland. On this episode of the podcast, we welcome back Mr. Xander Almeida. Great welcome. to be back. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday, yes. <laughs> this this is, is your birthday, yeah. Friday the 13th of January. This is Xander's birthday. So happy birthday, Xander. Xander's been on the podcast a number of times, talked about a number of different subjects, and this is going to be no exception. We are talking about the death penalty. Yay. You probably knew that from the way that I named this file. So, uh, Spoiler alert. We're talking about the death penalty. Um, might get into some fairly graphic descriptions, so if anybody is... Uh, you know, doesn't want to hear that. You know, maybe go listen to the one on with Ben West. That was a good one. That was a good podcast. <laughs> good one. <laughs> all right. I mean, all of our podcasts are good. Don't, don't <laughs> short sell. Give them something to go off of, not just any other podcast. Um, so, Xander, you kind of reached out to us and were like, hey, I want to talk about the death penalty. What was it that prompted that discussion? And it was a Twitter argument, right? Oh yeah, I think it that I think it was. I think it actually might have involved Ben West as well. Oh really? <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> but well, all right then. Maybe don't go listen to that one. <laughs> no, still no. still definitely do. It was a good episode. No, Ben West is great. I actually really do uh, admire Ben and what he's trying to do out in the uh, uh, in, in this part of the metro area. So I thought it would be an interesting t- uh, subject to broach because it came up recently in this state, particularly with. Uh, now former governor Kate Brown going and just emptying death row. Yes. And so it was it was sort of on pause technically. So I think it was like a decade ago or something that a governor basically said, everybody on death row, we're not going to be executing anyone. You're still on death row. You're still going to get executed, just not while I'm governor. Just not by me. That was and, Governor John Kitzhopper that yeah, did that. Yeah, and so then the next governor con- continued it, and it has been – a long time since we've executed anyone in, in the state of Oregon. And so what, what Governor Brown did was then officially commute those to – so they're no longer on death row. Is that correct? Yeah. they. So basically what Kitzhopper did was put everyone in death row. They just did a moratorium. Just said, yeah. I'm not – I'm a doctor. You know, do no harm. I can't do this. Sure. Even though he was the last governor to actually execute people. <laughs> Right. And wasn't late. a very good doctor. <laughs> <laughs> oof. <laughs> oof, man, oof. Uh, yeah, that was back uh, during his first or second term in the late 1990s. He was the last governor. He executed two people under his watch. After he was term limited, uh, we had Kolingowski. Then he won to be governor again because you just 
two non two consecutive terms is most you can do. So you can have you can do non consecutive terms, and that's what, correct. Yeah. That's what yeah. Getzhopper did. Yep. So Kate Brown is going to run in twenty twenty six. As well, as I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> it's my birthday. Don't make me cry. Anyways, so yeah, Getzhopper put a moratorium on there, and then Brown just basically clean slated the whole thing. Life without possibility of parole is what she did. That's not what I read. I read that there were some that... Sorry, you look like you're going to say something. Go ahead. Well, again, courts can change that based upon challenges. Okay. I believe is what that is. I thought what it was is someone sentenced to death back before... They were sentenced to death back when, when the death penalty was more broadly given to people. Oh, yeah. That's a whole and, other thing I have notes on. Right. Off. But anyway, the, these people... Be, Stepping on Xander's now stuff Now it's, it's aggravated murder. The, the It has to be... Aggravated murder is the only thing you can be charged with the death penalty of, uh, technically. And the definition of aggravated murder has been constrained consi- significantly. And so people who were acu- who were accused of aggravated murder under the old definition, I believe, are able to... There, there was some sort of loophole where they where they could potentially be given parole. Is that right? Oh, I, I don't know. But if that's know, the I case, that's something. not great. <laughs> I read something about that. So I'd have to research. Sorry. Nick, Nick and I both have just had kids. And so we're <laughs> a little bit uh, less prepared than uh, other episodes. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah. The, the, the definition of aggravated murder back in the 2019 legislative session which is, again, the only thing you can be executed for now in the state of Oregon, was defined as if you murder someone who is 14 or younger, Mm -hmm. a terrorist attack that kills two or more people. Right. Oddly specific. Yep. If you kill a law enforcement officer or if you are a prisoner currently in prison that kills someone else if you've already been convicted of a murder. (laughs) Right. Or as my good friend Brendan Monahan says, basically you have to kill someone with a lightsaber in the state of Oregon to be executed anymore. Right. right. But Tina Kotek has also said she's not going to go and execute anybody either. So even if someone gets convicted under those uh, parameters, and she will not carry it out. It's still an option for the court, right? They can still do life without parole or life with parole, even if they're convicted of aggravated murder. Is that... I don't know. I, I, I think life without expert. parole is 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 what they get if they're convicted of aggravated murder. But the mur- but the execution is the only thing that is still on the table for that. Right. But the judge does not have to put that on the table. Right. Okay. It's not so automatic. We got some of the background out of the way. Uh, what are your thoughts on all the things that are going on? <laughs> so I am kind of twofold about this. I'm going to be upfront and say that I'm against the death penalty, and I'll give you my reasons for that in a minute. My issues with what Governor Brown did is she took things that jurors and courts and judges handed down as a sentence and stripped that from, in my view, the closure that families have said they had wanted. Mm -hmm. Now, again, I don't agree with the death penalty, but if you have a law that was on the book and that was the sentence with how things were at the time, you should probably carry those things out. Can we just, I, I think we're an anti-death penalty podcast. I don't think you're unique at right. the three of us. I, I know personally I am also anti-death penalty. I don't actually yeah, know about I, I Also anti-death penalty. Okay. okay. So, so oh, we're all we right agree. Back, all uh, right. Let's end the podcast. All right. There we go. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> nice. nice. Bye. <laughs> uh, so I would, yes, and. Um, 
it's it's easy for someone of the opposite political persuasion does something semi unpopular to just like slam them for it. Um, Very easy. In the, Kate Brown's case. Yes, <laughs> she has many examples of being a terrible governor. <laughs> but so many. Uh, in this particular case, the Constitution gives her the right to do what she did. She didn't do anything outside of the law. That is correct. So, I I'm like. I don't know. I, I, I have mixed feelings about it because on, on one hand, you're right. It, she The way she did it, she didn't talk to victims' families. She didn't talk to a lot of people. She just kind of did it. Uh, you would expect if you're going to commute a sentence that you would at least you know talk to the victims' families and, and people that care about them and, and at least let them know what's going on. Well, and and I think there's also there is a she's definitely not required to cry but. from something not being against the law and something being the wrong thing to do. Yes, there's no law against leisure suits, but it's pretty wrong <laughs> if I just go show up and like that's really offensive to everybody. Like nobody, yeah, just, you know, just wear normal clothes. Kind of like an ascot. <laughs> I understand. There it is. But like I think to to the point that Xander kind of started to get into this was a process that had run through the judicial system this was signed off on by jurors and judges and the state itself and you know all yeah. six ways from sunday and on a unilateral just oh hey by the way before i you know I'm, as i'm packing up my boxes and getting ready for i don't know whatever her next job i you know the shoe counter at macy's or something whatever <laughs> kate brown is gonna go do after this whoever's gonna hire her but like that's a that's a very slap in the face thing to the judicial to say nothing of what you were talking about jimbo or james sorry where we're the 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 victims families all the people who have been aggrieved at who who just had no heads up no notification that just all of a sudden hey this thing that i had been hanging on to for closure because i thought that the judicial system was going to work the way that i thought it was going to just all of a sudden isn't anymore yeah the other thing too is the whole reason Kitzhopper stopped executing people, I mean, his whole, I'm a doctor, do no harm thing, but the person that was supposed to be on death row and executed stopped his appeals process and wanted to be executed. Mm. And Kitzhopper told him no. Interesting. <laughs> Which is kind of wild. So even, even there are some people on death row who know that they are terrible people and probably should be brought to death have been like, yeah, just kill me. Well, there's got to be a huge <laughs> mental toll because it takes years, decades sometimes to actually execute someone, go through all the appeals processes, et cetera, et cetera. And it's got to wear on your mental health knowing that this is coming and not knowing when it's coming. And it, like, I don't know that that's even, that might even be cruel and unusual punishment to tell someone you're going to execute them without a date and then just let them sit in jail for years. If they're on li you know, life imprisonment without parole, at least they know that that that's what they're doing that's for the it, for yeah. the foreseeable future. Be like the NBA, you got to throw a shot clock on this or something. Like, <laughs> all right, you got convicted, man. You got thirty days, and that's it. Forward your mail, do whatever you got to do. But oh my gosh, plan your last meal. Yeah, yeah. I would say, I you can disagree. I, nothing Kate Brown did was illegal. I think we all agree on that. Yes, you can agree or disagree with with what she did based on just your opinions on things, but this, it's not a hill I'm choosing to die on because no there are a lot intended. of, right. <laughs> there are That's a lot of good. things, a lot of things Kate Brown did that I don't agree with. And for, for partisan reasons or for, I just disagree with her, her, well, and she was purpose. lousy at her job. I mean, it's bipartisan, I think. But. Yeah. At that point. But like, I don't know this, this, I feel like of all the, of all the topics that we could discuss around the death penalty, that's not the one that I, 
I'm going to like get upset about. Well, but I, I mean, I think we're, we got to get a little upset about it because that's the whole impetus for the podcast is there was a bunch of people on the right, the like Bill Post types <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, maybe Ben West, uh, a bunch of Lars people Larson. on the right side and you know, Lars Larson who had, who had come on and just like this was the most egregious thing that governor brown had ever done and i and james i'm with you in that it's like look man there's a lot of there's a lot of hay in that haystack there's a lot of different things we could pick at that we do not like about this governor and reasons we're happy to see her go but i don't think any of us put any tweets out there to say kate brown is a disgrace to oregon for doing this. she's a disgrace to oregon for doing for, it for many reasons for, yeah, but, for, right. she's already <laughs> but but it wasn't for this but there was a number of conservatives or at least you know right-leaning individuals who came out and did choose to kind of make this their final parting shot at the outgoing governor brown without i think necessarily being is it that bad or like did she do so it's not like you know we're, we're could, just, have, could have been handled better for sure it certainly could have been handled better yeah i mean the, the other thing too I, again like nothing illegal kind of agree with her but if you want to go and get the death penalty out of Oregon, there's a way to do that. Yeah. And it's called a constitutional amendment. and Put it up to the vote of the people. Now, if you're afraid they're going to say, no, we still want to have the death penalty, well, then maybe you should have that conversation with them. But it is still in our constitution. I think that, you know, if these, you know, if Governor Brown or former Governor Brown or Governor Kotek had any kind of, you know, cojones, they would actually go and... Right. Put forward a referendum and say, let's end this once and for all and have that conversation. I think it's the same thing with abortion. If they were to actually do what they say they want to do and actually, you know, codify abortion rights in the Oregon Constitution, they wouldn't have any way to raise money. They wouldn't have anything not. to run. They wouldn't, ha- they won't be able to run their ads. They wouldn't be able to win elections on abortion rights. They wouldn't be able to. So it's like, why <laughs> fix the problem when you can keep milking, milking it for decades? I was going to say something pithy, but uh, <laughs> you hit that nail on the head really hard. I can no longer get that nail out of the wood. It is stuck there. But that okay, is... a pith on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. It's a no. pithing contest. <laughs> I don't know if we need to mark ourselves as explicit for that. <laughs> that was good, though. I like that. No, but I, but, I, but I think you're absolutely right, James. I think that there are so many times, especially when you have one-party rule, that if you fix the problem, then... What else do you have to run on? I had a I had a neighbor's girlfriend once who you know, was working for a uh, you know a, a pro choice group in Salem, and you know she kept telling me how abortion rights are under attack, and I just looked at her I'm like, not in this state. Like, what are you no. talking about? No. And it was very funny. And then she kind of acknowledged, like, yeah, I I, I know, but and like, and that, oh god, but that's you said the dirty part out loud, lady. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you look at Kotex ads. We're getting a little off topic, but Kotex ads. She spent $20 million talking about three things, Trump, January 6th, and abortion. You know, two things that are not at all related to Oregon. Actually, all three things that are not even no, re- not related zero. to Oregon. And that, but she was running on fear and she was running on national topics. She can't run on a record because her record sucks. So that, that's what, that's, that's what got her the governor's race is, uh, is these national topics that one of which she could have fixed while she was in the legislature and chose not to. So, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Back to the death penalty. Back to uh, the death penalty. So I think we've beaten the uh, Kate Brown commuting people 
to death. Um, <laughs> no you pun just intended. Can't stop yourself so today. many, <laughs> so many puns. I'm not even trying, dude. James um, is just killing it today. <laughs> uh, so let's go back to reasons for the death penalty. I, I read somewhere, and I think on Reddit, which is where I oh boy listeners know that I spend a lot of times. I know. <sighs> no, it says if you if you support the death penalty, you have to you have to believe one of two things. One, either the government is infallible and would never execute an innocent person. Or two, it's okay to in- execute a few innocent people from time to time as long as we get all the bad guys. That actually is more concise than what I was hoping for from Reddit. That yeah, it, it was. I'm sure that was didn't originate on Reddit. It probably was somebody much smarter than the <laughs> random user that posted it. But I was like, yeah, exactly. Like, I don't believe the government is infallible. And I think history has proved that we have... We, the United States, have executed innocent people. I have the numbers. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Emmett Till is a really good example of a person who was who was executed, uh, who didn't do what he I mean, said he was going to do. Not, not by the state, but... Oh, he was... Right. He was... Uh, he was by, lynched. By, by lynched by mobs. That's, yeah. that's correct. Uh, who are anyway. also not infallible. <laughs> correct. <laughs> Mobby lynching red. And I don't think that the government should be executing innocent people either. So, there you go. Yeah, my what it comes down for me is I have like a a, a three pronged uh, bit where what for why I'm I am against the death penalty and some of them are good, some of them are not good, mm-hmm. but I have them. I'm curious for the not good ones. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll get to that one at the very end. Um, so again, to to your point, James, the main reason why I'm against the death penalty is that uh, since the ni- since 1973, when we have reinstate the death penalty in this nation we have had 130 sorry 193 people exonerated Mm. post-execution wow so we have killed almost 200 innocent people in this country since 1973 because of the death penalty yeah that alone should be a reason to be like maybe not yeah that's the first part um the, the the second part is I was reading a, a study by Lewis and Clark College here in in Portland that keeping someone on death row costs almost twice as much as it costs to have somebody life in jail without possibility of parole. Shot clock. You know, as, <laughs> as that problem. a as a fiscal conservative, a lot of times the financial argument matters a lot to me. In this in this sense, I don't see it as much. I think that no, you know, you, but. you you pay what needs to be paid to do the right thing. I don't, I don't like that. I don't, I don't, I don't think that that should change anybody's mind. If it does like, Holy crap. Yeah. Like, that no, if it <laughs> does, that's pretty awful. Actually, that is correct. So I don't, I don't like that argument. Um, it's probably, I mean, it's not without merit, but I just don't like using it. So anyway, you said three prongs. I think you got to two of them. Yeah. My, my last one is the one that makes me feel like a bad person. Okay. And that is because I honestly believe that life in prison without possibility of parole is a harsher punishment than executing somebody. Oh, and so that, that makes you bad. I feel like I, I agree with that. I mean, I again, I don't think I'm wrong, but I think it. I feel bad for thinking that your punishment should be worse than death, and that is living the rest of your life with nothing. And that makes me feel bad, but I also kind of think that's what the punishment should be. <gasps> yeah. Well, I think so. One of the reasons, I'm sorry, God, <laughs> in favor of capital punishment is there is a deterrent effect, and on on that there that is absolutely correct. There is a there is a zero point zero percent recidivism rate from somebody who has been executed. They will never commit another crime. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a, I, I saw you're trying to jump, in. Right. I was like, no, I gotta I gotta get my joke in here. 
but I, yeah, outside of right. that, th- there is there's not a deterrent element to having capital punishment. States that do versus states that don't, you're still just as likely to see yeah, someone right. commit if, some of these types of crimes. If you're going to do something that is that is going to be aggravated murder, it's almost always either you think you're going to get away with it, or it's a crime of passion where you're not thinking straight, or you don't something. care, or or you don't care. Yeah, nobody's thinking. Hmm. You know, if this is gonna, if they're gonna execute me, I'm not gonna do this. But life in prison, yeah. uh, I'm okay with it. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get I'm gonna out of Idaho and get and, into Oregon. There's a yeah, it's convenience just, store, and it never, I can it never over. happens. So yeah, it's, it's you're right. That that is an interesting statistic that there is no deterrent. The only thing I can think of personally that would be an argument for the death penalty would be closure for the victims and this is what Xander, that's the main you were, one yeah xander you were talking about a little bit earlier if if you have had your family member brutally murdered in such a way that the person is up for execution you know it and this is this goes beyond the you know rehabilitation or whatever it's it's about vengeance it's about justice and i don't know that i fully buy that but i think that that's like the only partial uh reason for for the death penalty yeah i was listening to opb had a really good uh radio bit about this and they were had interviews with some of the families of the victims that thought that their you know family members murderer was going to be executed and again right around christmas time when kate brown did this their whole response was you know we don't get to spend christmas with with our lost one yeah that person does you know, they get to have, you know, that little, you know, uh, conjugal trailer visit with their spouse or whatever. And like my person just gets is still in the it's ground gone. and nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And their whole thing was like they can still hang out with people. Yeah. They still get those rights. And so I actually went on a tour of the Washington County Jail this past week for something unrelated. But, uh, you know, there you can get privileges. You can work with other people like there are communities there are book clubs there's there's stuff to do to get people um, that like it's not just solitary confinement for the rest of your life you know there there are communities it's not some place that i would want to spend a lot of time but like <laughs> even though you did voluntarily just this week <laughs> like <two. laughs> a little bit different <laughs> So I, I feel like that's an interesting point because I feel like we're playing both sides of the coin here. Just a couple seconds ago, we were just saying, you know, like life in prison is actually probably worse than death because you have this whole into, you know, if you kill somebody when you're 26 years old, you got, I don't, your life expectancy is probably lower in prison, but you probably got 50 years or so of hanging out, knowing that there's no purpose and no meaning and no fulfillment and no joy. But you're, you guys are both absolutely right. You do still have family or friends that can come and see you if you have a, a spouse or significant other and you get your conjugal visit time that that would be pretty something to look forward to if you're a prisoner you know finish a degree become educated jump you know find a couple of different things that you can do to to find meaning and find comradeship and find friendship and everything like that but i don't um i still don't know that that's a that's something I'd feel comfortable if I, if I'm a family member of a victim. You know, one of the things we were just talking about was you know spending money, and it's oh, it's actually cheaper to keep somebody in prison for life with life without parole. Um, I feel like let's take some of the money that we would have spent on capital punishment and provide it to mental health services for victims of some of these 
pretty egregious crimes because that's it's one of those things where even if you do see the person go get executed and you have your whole like green mile moment and all this kind of stuff and whatever that's when did green, green miles like 20 years old at this such point a good I, movie, gotta go reference that. but like you're never going to fully have closure and that would be the thing that i would like to see more we work towards is let's do what we can to get the victims of these, the families of the victims of these crimes closer to as close to a hundred percent whole as, as we can possibly be. I, I don't know. You know, I've never, we'll have somebody on the pod if we can get them. I don't know that you're, you're ever going to be able to close that gap just by witnessing somebody put to death because you don't get the thing back that you most value. What I really think too, if you really want to go and convince the people to be against the death penalty, above and beyond all of our incredible arguments we've already had is to make sure that we bring back public executions. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You know, take from Xander, go ahead. Again, I don't care if it's by hanging or by firing squad. I mean, firing squad preferably because people should know what guns do also. But the main reason is that if you as a populace want to agree that the state should have the power to execute people, you should not be able to not see what the state is doing. Hmm. It is transparency. If you believe in execution, you should have to watch it and be morally okay with it when you see it happen. See, I bring would say, back public hanging squares, bring back public firing <laughs> squads. That's my so take. I would, I would a, say, I would say the flip side of that is you would need a videotape of the crime being committed. I think that, I mean, that you can describe a brutal murder in a certain way, but being able to see it, I think that this is, um, I think it, it, you could convince people to support the death penalty if there were videotape of the rapes and murders that these people committed. So, James, so, it sounds like you're arguing for I, a more Orwellian state where we've got <laughs> video cameras everywhere. This isn't That's kind of what I'm hearing, I'm Nick. Saying, the I'm rational saying if we're going to have if we're going to have one side, we should have, you should have the other side. And I think that that's another potential argument is like descriptions the, of horrendous acts is not the same thing as seeing it. And that's exactly the point you're making. And I'm saying people who put themselves in this situation committed a heinous act most of the time. To get them there. And so, like... I would, at the risk of getting out over my skin, I would wager that Xander was being mostly sarcastic. Well, yes. In that statement there. Mostly is the key. I am only being partially sarcastic. Which is... And I'm also not suggesting we have cameras in everybody's living room. (laughs) That was also being sarcastic. (laughs) See, and I I agree with the point that you're making, Xander, because because on the one hand, you're, you're absolutely right in that that would be a... Once you're kind of up close and personal, that's the type of thing that makes it a little bit more visceral. And you really you really got to be committed to the bit if you're going to still be pro-death penalty at the end of that. I personally am pro-eating chicken breasts at dinner. I don't want to see the inside of a slaughterhouse and see how all that gets gets put together i'm just fine i you know i was in the hospital with my my wife gave birth there was a lot of things in there that i'm not interested in like seeing again or having a familiar relationship with and that's kind of the reason i think that society works is you're not everybody has to be exposed to everything i mean i i'm a financial advisor i see a lot of people doing dumb things with their money and it's my that's why I have a job is I get to tell people not to do dumb things with their money. Hey, do smart things. But if, if everybody already did the smart thing, then I would be out of a job. If we're all 
fine with poultry <laughs> slaughterhouses, the good people at Tyson Foods would be out of a job. But I, I at least get the point that you're making where it is, it's a much more visceral thing than just saying, oh, I'm pro this, I'm anti this or whatever, and just having a, you know, erudite academic debate on a podcast on a Friday afternoon example. Yeah, for for instance, I mean, the reason that I justify, you know, again, to use your example, eating meat is that I have personally killed and, you know, butchered a number of animals. Like, I know what the process I thought, is. I thought you were going to say people. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to go. <laughs> that's why he's so anti-death penalty. Right. <laughs> and that's why you're both here today. Yeah, right, right, right. Saw no. 13. <laughs> uh, wow, that's good, actually. Uh, but no, I mean, I, I mean, having, you know, killed and, like, you know, butchered animals myself, I know the bloody process that goes into it. Therefore, I feel like I can justify myself eating meat. Now, I don't think I could watch someone getting hung in front of me and be okay with it at the end of the day. I just don't, you right. know? And so that's kind of my counter argument to you is like, I, I, I do think you should, like, if you're going to be okay with something, you should like have to look at it. <laughs> I really do. And especially when it, and explicitly when it comes from a state sanctioned activity. Yeah. That is, again, stuff at a hospital. I don't know. I don't want to watch someone give birth. No offense, guys. But, like, it's not a thing that I'm interested in watching or whatever things that hospitals do. But when the state is sanctioning something, I think that as a citizenry, you should have to be able to look at it and say, at the end of the day, I'm voting yes on this. And, yeah. if, and if you're not, then no. And I, I would agree with you putting it on as a vote for the Constitution. I mean, it's not like we don't change the Constitution about like we change our underwear in this state. We tried so. to put a cigarette tax increase in our constitution, guys. Like, come <laughs> yeah. on. I almost right? said a bad word there, but come on. And, you know, two or th three, four, I don't know how many of the ballot measures that were on. 13 and four, 113 and 114 were definitely constitutional amendments this last time around. So it's it's not that difficult to change the Oregon constitution. Yeah, like you said, let the people vote on it. 50% plus one is all you need. Let the people vote on it. And then the, you don't have to do these weird things where you're commuting or you're postponing or you're moratorium and meaning pussyfooting. Right. You, you can already just, explicit. You can just so do you can it. say that <laughs> that's a real word though. <laughs> now I'm the one who's being sarcastic, but that's the thing. And that's one of the frustrations I have with Oregon and the leaders in Oregon. And I don't even know if this is a, a partisan comment, but they'll try to do things around the correct way of doing things. You know, let the people decide, send it to the voters or go through the legislature. I mean, Kate Brown, ex this whole COVID thing, all of the executive orders that came from COVID were executive orders from the governor. She could have very easily, after the first round, given up that power to the legislature. And, you know, because that's how things are supposed to be done, in my opinion. The legislature is supposed to make the laws. The governor doesn't rule by executive order he or she follows the laws set in place by the legislature. Let the legislature determine what has to happen for COVID restrictions. I think by necessity, it is a partisan comment to say that because it's all Democrats in Oregon, all right. these decisions <laughs> well, are being made I mean, by the, the Democrats. Question, the question is, would Republicans do the same thing if they were in power? And I, I just well, I don't know clearly, that. I, clearly not when you've seen how other states handled it. So I... Did they? Did the governor give up executive or emergency power and give power to the legislature to? No, they just did nothing. I don't think well, they had any emergency declarations. That's yet. true. Oh, Called yeah. Ron DeSantis and asked him uh, for his emergency declaration huh? for it. He's like, "Yeah, it's an emergency. It's only sixty-eight degrees at the beach. There's nobody windsurfing anymore. What are we going to do? It's our whole economy." 
<laughs> there were there there was a video of Miami of a guy running on the beach and the cops going out and arresting him for running by himself on the beach during COVID lockdowns. So Florida had some lockdowns at the very beginning. Okay, first so, off, you don't know what that man was doing. It's Florida. He could have been doing anything. <laughs> Any number. There's of a things. video. Any number he was of was jogging. <laughs> running what away was he from what? From yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah, you, Nick. Nice. <laughs> anyway, I'm seen. I've seen Florida man. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I I think that you are right in that it is a gross abuse of power when a governor makes decisions by fiat that should be left to a legislature or a legislature makes decisions, uh, you know, under 18 layers of committees that have had hearings at six in the morning and have things that squeak by in big omnibus bills when it's stuff that should be referred to the state as a whole. And yeah. we're, we're pretty good at that. Every four years, every two years, you get stuff that shows up on the ballots here and it's like, we're going to amend this and we're going to vote for this charter and this IP and all this stuff and whatever. Mm-hmm. If that's the way this is what it, this is what a democracy looks like. We are. Typically, we are the party that says that has to correct people and say we don't live in a democracy. We live in a republic and we elect leaders to make our decisions for it. But we want to have as close to a democracy as we can for our republic. And there's a lot of stuff that the best thing to do is to just refer it to the voters. Just throw it on the ballot, have a yes or no, and let's get it figured out that way. Well, even for things that are not going directly to the voters on the ballot, the legislature is the direct representation of the people in the state. The governor has voted on by, you know, the entire state. It's just such a, it's so abstract. It's such a, a further abstraction from the people who voted for her because there are just so many people voting in that election. You as an individual have a lot more say over who your legislator is because there's not that many people, you know, 60 different districts. So your vote is 60 times more powerful for your legislator than it is for the governor. And so, and that's that's the purpose. They are supposed to represent their districts and represent the people in in their district. And they're the ones who should be making the rules. And, you know, this is how our, our three layers of government or three branches of government are supposed to work. The legislature makes the laws and the the executive branch executes the laws. And we at the federal and at the state level have seen such a power shift from the legislature to the executive branch. And I think we need to reverse all of it. They execute the laws, but not the prisoners. (laughs) Good night, folks. (laughs) Also, it's worth noting for our listeners that for whatever reason, we have these stands that we keep our microphones in. And for whatever reason, James's isn't working. So he's actually just holding up the microphone like he is an improv comic. This was a joke that we were making before we started. (laughs) I feel like we've got lend itself to a lot more jokes this podcast than we typically do. (laughs) That's, yeah, it's a Friday and afternoon. If you noticed, I'm not sure how this is going to show up in post, but there was a period there when my microphone wasn't working at all. I had to trade it out. So if I went out for a bit and then came back, that's that was why. He wasn't spacing. He was doing technical difficulty situation. Yeah, both. Oh, speaking of executive orders, trivia question, guys. Which president issued the fewest executive orders in U.S. history? Washington. Yeah, someone way at the beginning. Washington. I don't know. Probably not Washington because he was the first because he had to do a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Tell us. It's William Henry Harrison because oh, he only lived among <laughs> yeah, right. Probably. The, he you know, did zero. Yeah. Kind of. Because he died. Tangential to the. That's like these dad jokes coasters that we've got. Like, 
course it was William and Harrison. <laughs> so sort of sort of tangential to the death penalty thing. You know, I've I've said a number of times, you know, you can you can reverse policy, you can't undead somebody. And so when I vote for president or when I am concerned about the things at the federal level, I look at foreign policy a lot more closely than I think a lot of people do. To a lot of people, foreign policy is just kind of this thing that they, they care about the economy, they care about you know social issues, they care about blah, 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 blah. All that can be changed with the next president. You can change tax rates, you can change social laws, you can like you cannot unstart a war. You cannot unkill people once you've killed them. And so one of my one of the reasons I never voted for Trump is because I didn't trust him when it came to foreign policy. Nope. I didn't trust him at all to have a level head and not tick off somebody and and cause unnecessary suffering especially outside the country there was only one reason not to vote for donald trump my number (laughs) my main reason but the and actually like being that that's a, a big focus of mine i was sort of pleasantly surprised that he didn't start a war and actually i would say probably prevented one or two wars one with north korea in particular because obama told trump in their handoff you will go to war with North Korea. Yep. Like that was that was like on the horizon and and Trump was able to I don't know not that have a war. Not have a war. Yeah. So credit where credit's anyway, due. Credit, 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 yeah. credit's due. Donald Trump come on our podcast. <laughs> God no. Um <laughs> actually no that'd be fun. Would be. Uh, it, it's funny in, in the same vein uh James I actually am a huge foreign policy nerd and when it comes to voting for Anybody on the federal level, foreign policy mm-hmm. is like pretty close to like my number one issue. Yeah, a lot of times for the same reason, you can't undead somebody, you can't unwar somebody really easily, yeah. at least. Uh, but when when I was married and my wife and I had a bunch of stock investment stuff, as soon as like before when I realized Trump was going to get elected, I said we're putting all of our money into defense stocks. <laughs> and uh, you're welcome. I made you a lot of money ex-wife because those things just jumped when trump became president and and she said the same thing i i, I don't feel comfortable with this and i went it's gonna happen anyways we might as well make money off of it and i would say <laughs> a republican president you're always going to have that happen whether or not they're a warmonger because they will increase or at least protect defense spending and so that a lot of that money doesn't go toward bombs that kill people a lot of it goes toward bombs that are used in practice and practicing you know, to kill people uh, practice well yeah but I guess, not in oregon know, somewhat not in oregon as someone who spent a good part of my life in the military like it's it's salaries for troops it's fuel for humvees it's buying humvees it's you know buying unwanted m1 abram tanks uh, yeah <laughs> i want one that sounds awesome <laughs> but like that and and when a Republican is elected, the people know that that's what's going to happen. They're going to increase or at least sustain spending in the defense industry. And so that's where the stocks go up, whether or not there is a war. If there's a war, then, you know, spending goes up even further. But I would say that has more to do with Republican than it does with Trump in particular. Uh, I thought it had a lot to do with Trump. I thought yeah. that guy was just going to fly off the handle. And again, glad he didn't because that yeah. would have scared the crap out of me. I mean, and maybe, I mean, he probably, he did fly off the handle a number of times, but it didn't lead to dead people. Didn't lead to war. You what? know, didn't lead, didn't lead to war. Didn't lead to war. did lead to dead people, not to war. Yeah, that's right. A lot fair. of CNN coverage. 
They did. That there was a study after Biden got a, a, took over an office that the ratings for all the cable news channels were down like significantly, and they they were like, "Oh man, we shouldn't have this guy's not entertaining." Trump. Yeah, this guy was our bread and butter. We got to get him back. <laughs> the best thing that could have happened for the Republican Party was Trump getting kicked off Twitter. The <laughs> fact here. that that guy is not front and center of the national consciousness anymore is so. I mean, if if it wasn't for Dobbs, I think this red wave this last year would have. Um, would have really actually been a wave. And a lot of that has to do with Trump not being front and center anymore. The Democrats spent millions of dollars trying to make him front and center, uh, but he wasn't. wasn't. Wait, so you're not on Truth Social? I'm not on Truth Social. Nick? I barely know what Truth Social is. (laughs) I'm not even on... Well, I I am on Twitter, but I don't use it. So I'm barely on Twitter. I I hate social media. I tag you and stuff all the time. I know. Well, see, that's that's like most of my notifications come from Nick tagging me and stuff. And... Every, every time I get a notification on Twitter, I'm like, uh-oh, what happened? Why do I have notifications on Twitter? I haven't touched Twitter in six months. Who's tagging me? It's me. It's usually Nick. <laughs> this is some goofy story. All right. All right. Before we go, can I ask? So we are, you get mad at me when we have a repeat guest and we say, what's your favorite poem? Because we're mad at you. Just, oh, no, it's, yeah, yeah, not yeah, mad. Yeah. <laughs> no. Wait, all right. We're not done. Xander has another point to make. Oh, no, no. I, a better question. A better question. If you were on the precipice of execution, what would your last meal be? That's literally what I was going to ask. That's exactly, that's exactly what I was going to ask. Yes. Good for you, Xander. All right. I had that one in the, in the back burner. I'm like, I better go okay. for it. So what? What? what is it? What, Xander, what would you eat? Oh, I would 100% eat as many of my family's tamales as I possibly could. It's a good one. Yeah. it's uh, We make them all from scratch. It takes us a couple days to make. I would eat all of the tamales, all of them, until I died. That way you couldn't execute me. <laughs> there you go. James? A walnut. A walnut? So, okay. so, the so, rest of y'all, so, so the rest of y'all can eat my nuts for the rest of eternity. <laughs> <laughs> James's last meal is a joke, <laughs> a practical joke. <laughs> Just kidding. I stole that from the internet somewhere. Uh, oh, there you go. So I have to think about it. I was, I was focused on my joke, and now I don't have a good answer. <laughs> Nick? I would. You know, what's still, I feel like at the time I'd love to come with like a nice steak or like a you know with like a nice glass of like red wine and or a nice bottle of red wine you know who do I have to stay sober for at that point? Um, right now the thing that jumps to mind is like a bunch of like IHOP pancakes with like the sweet fruit on top, it's like the powdered sugar and like the apple compote and stuff. Huh? I would just eat like twelve of those. That's. Okay. All right. I, just, I haven't had pancakes for like six years. I just want pancakes. You know, yeah. Right. real answer, I would probably not want to eat anything because the stress of knowing what's coming would probably, I probably wouldn't have an appetite. And so I probably just wouldn't want to eat anything. Probably just glass of water. So shots? <laughs> I, I don't even think I would want shots. I would, don't think I'd want anything. Huh. I would definitely I would, get rip roaring drunk. Absolutely, I don't know. Really nice. Bourbon, I don't, I don't I think. think. I don't think I would want anything in the moment, knowing well, what's coming. Let's hypothetically say that you've come to peace with what's about to happen and are sanguine and relaxed and aware, and you're just like, you know what? I'm just gonna have 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 one last thing. Let's say you're in a, a mental state. You're aware of what you did. You deserve to be put to death. You've come to terms with that for yourself. Still the walnut. Still, <laughs> still the walnut so I can grow into a tree and you can eat my nuts forever. <laughs> a tree. 
I only missed that part. Yeah. Yeah, well, there oh, that's the joke. I screwed okay. up. I screwed up the punchline. Yeah, yeah, I was like, uh, oh, okay, that's so a weird answer. A tree. Yeah, that's that's. <laughs> so there's this tree, thing. right? Well, you guys started talking joke. about it, and then I, yeah, maybe I'll cut out the the missed punchline on my. <laughs> hey, that's the fun part about being the producer of the podcast. Yeah, I anyway, it's all your choice. So I, we're about out of time. Anybody have any other comments about the death penalty or your last meal or walnuts? <laughs> So I'm more of a pistachio guy, if I'm being honest. So that just awesome. comes from being from uh, California. But uh, I do appreciate the great state of Utah re-implementing the firing squad. I think that's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're one of the few people on death row there has actually requested firing squad. And so now the state's nervous they might actually have to do it. <laughs> it's very funny. It's very funny. Very morbidly funny. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a funny in a not ha-ha sense, but funny in a macabre ironic sense yeah have you met me i i well i think it's interesting i thought at least one of us was going to be pro death penalty and we'd have something to argue about but i think we're all kind of in agreement that yeah life without parole is a is a better punishment and if you find someone to be innocent you can undo that you can't undead them can't Can't undead them can't unexecute people here here. you can let them out of prison if they are found to be not guilty in which apparently about one in eight are so one in eight that seems like a lot. It is. Wow. Well, on that note, I think. <laughs> sorry, so, 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 sorry. It was one in eight that had been executed, had been exonerated. Wow. Post death. Yeah, that's that's a huge number. Yeah, that's and more even, than ten percent. Even <laughs> that's one, not great. Even one is too many. You know, that's that's really the point. Is that unless the government could be do this without any errors. I don't. I don't trust the government with my money, much less with my life. Like, holy crap! Anyway, all right. Well, in the podcast, <laughs> listeners, thank you for listening, and I uh, hope you enjoyed this podcast. And we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Rational Republican Podcast. Your hosts are James Ball and Nick Perlosky. The show today is brought to you by ProLift Garage Doors of Portland, serving the greater Portland metro area for all your garage door installation and repair needs. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can email us at james at jamesaball.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can find our episodes at jamesaball.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts.